Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore. I'm the lead pastor at Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morden. I'm the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist in Stratford. And this is week five, 2.0. Yeah, two, yeah, 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yesterday didn't, didn't go so great. And then now, now we've got, uh, we've got some vacuuming going on outside, so hopefully you guys don't hear any of that, but... You know, we yeah. thought about delaying it, but we just, it was, it was time, time to pull the trigger. Time Some to get... re-recording. Yeah, here we go. Re-recording, it just wasn't great. No, it's okay. It was, I mean, not that this one's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was less not great. More was, not great? I don't know. It, it was, it was below an acceptable standard. That's, yeah, that's a fair assessment, I think. All right. So here we are. We're going into week five. This is a new book of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Exodus. Yeah. We're out of, out of Genesis into Exodus feeling like we're making some headway. It's exciting. Yeah, this is that point in the year where everyone is hopefully still reading along, and at this point you're watching things clip off of the uh, the tick list, and you're like, all right, I got this. I yeah. got this. We're making we're making some ground. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to say that that means that everyone is making that kind of ground. I, mm. I think there are going to be people who are already finding themselves significantly behind. Yeah, yeah, that might be the case. And, I mean, that happens, right? Like, like life gets busy, and especially if this is something new for someone – these types of habits can take time to form. Um, but, you know, we want to encourage those people as well. If they are falling behind or struggling to keep up, um, it's not the end of the world. You know, there are options, right? Like, um, I mean, for example, they could, I mean, if, they, if they're kind of struggling through Job right now, they could, you know, put a bookmark in that, put it down and just pick up with us in Exodus if they wanted. That's one option. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a little bit behind, you can go back and and just sit along some time and say, no, no, no. I'm going to catch up. I'm going to knock this out, and I'm going to I'm going to do this. Mm. Uh, if you find yourself way behind, you know, like weeks or days, and and you don't think that you can make that catch up, yeah, just now's a good time to start fresh in Exodus and uh, mm. go back and make up for whatever you missed out on. Uh, maybe in 2021, maybe sometime through the year when you've got a little extra time. Yeah. Uh, but but what you don't want to do is you don't want to get discouraged and let it all just pile on top of you right now. It's no. too early for that. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you definitely want, don't want to don't want to just feel the guilt and shame of not keeping up. You just want to keep with it. You know, walk through this journey with us. You know, there's going to be some people too who might not hear about this until partway through the year. Oh yeah, you know, sure. and they're going to be starting up partway through and, and kind of working through things on their own pace anyways, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And now's a now's a good time, a nice, clean, fresh start. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so here we are in Exodus 1 through 18 mm-hmm. and backing up and looking at the forest, those major themes of the, uh, the these passages. What are we looking at, Marshall? Well, the, one of the things that stood out to me kind of as a recurring theme through the first 18 chapters of Exodus was the presence of God, um, sometimes known by its theological term, the imminence of God. You know, he, he directly intervenes in the history of his people, right? He's not the proverbial, you know, watchmaker God who just kind of like fine tunes everything, gets it going, and then just sits back and, and watches it play out. He's, he's stepping into the situation. He's actively involved in the various details. He is a, an imminent, a present, a close God, and we see that in Exodus. Yeah, and, and I think to add to that, 
<clears throat> I would say that the one thing that stuck out to me as a theme is, is that God is a God of process. Mm. And not only is he involved, but he is not involved in such a way that he would just snap his fingers, nod his head, and bring things. He doesn't just manifest things right. in that way. Uh, that he is still a God of process. He does take his time and work through those things. I, I think in particular when you look through the— uh, when you read through the plagues and the amount of time that he spent just sort of establishing who he was and that he was set apart from the gods of, of Egypt and how that was all going to work out, uh, that was something that he took his time on mm-hmm. and he walked it through the process and he kept telling them, this is going to be something that I am doing so that you will know who I am. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm going to be in it through the process. Uh, and so that's uh, another Another theme that stuck out, stuck out to me. So after we look at the themes, we break that down into the individual stories that built up those themes, the, the trees inside of the forest. So let's walk through this. What is our, uh, our first story? Um, well, after kind of a brief introduction about kind of what Israel's been up to for the last 400 years, I mean, they were a family of about 70 who arrived in Egypt, and now they've kind of multiplied into this massive nation. The political scene has changed in Egypt. Um, now, you know, um, the new pharaoh is not a fan of the Israelite people and is now subjecting them to slavery and, and even has this plan to essentially um, eradicate all the male children who are being born at, at one point. And uh, it's, a pretty, it's pretty dark, actually. I mean, it's, it, it, when it's a familiar story like this, it's easy to kind of just pass it over. But, I mean, this is infanticide. I mean, this is some serious, weighty, dark stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I was just about to say that exact same thing. I Sometimes I wish I could go back and read the Bible without all of the lifetime of having grown up in the church, mm-hmm. supporting it in such a way that I know what's going to happen, right? There are a lot of times I walk into stories like this and I think, well, oh, this is that story. I know that story. I've, we talked about it last week. You know, I've colored these pictures and, and those kinds of things. And, and I, I know where this is going. I know how it's going to end. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. And sometimes I wish it would, it would be fantastic just to step into it anew mm. and to read it with fresh eyes and fresh heart and to be able to look at it and say, this, this is craziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's what's amazing, though, in the midst of this tragedy um, is how God preserves Moses. And so in, mm-hmm. in Exodus 2, you know, we read about, you know, the, the whole the story everyone knows about the, the basket, the baby in the basket and floats down the river and he's found by Pharaoh's daughter. And what strikes me um, is the the irony, I guess, in, in this part of the story that Moses's own mother becomes his wet nurse and that the the baby that Pharaoh was trying to kill specifically um, ended up being raised right under his nose in his own house. It's just kind of a really cool, interesting way of God. It's providence. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Yeah. it's just the hand of God doing what God is going to do despite this this situation. Yeah. Everything that man can do to come against it has has taken place, and uh, man is set up to succeed. And God says, you know what? Not only only am I still going to do my thing, I'm going to do it uh, in such a way that it is undeniably me. Yeah. That you, you can't make this kind of thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's great. Great. So he grows up there in Pharaoh's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little run-in with uh, a, a, fellow, a fellow Egyptian or a, an Egyptian with a fellow Hebrew. Yeah. Whatever it is, he has a, a little run-in, uh, takes a life, 
Pharaoh finds out, mm-hmm. and uh, and he heads for the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, and then ends up coming to a well, which naturally means he gets married shortly thereafter, because that's what happens in the Old Testament. You, women plus wells equals weddings. Okay, it's kind of the yeah. that's that's kind of what happens. So he ends up meeting a woman at a well, getting married, um, and then and then you know spend some time there, and then we get to this really um, amazing scene of uh, Moses and the burning bush. Um, which is just such such a well-known story, um, such a compelling story. This conversation that Moses has with God, um, it's really it's a really significant one. I think it's one that we can draw a lot of truth from when we think about you know God's calling on our own lives. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time really since Abraham that we see God tell someone, I have a plan for you, and this is what you're going to do to bring it out, mm. right? This is This is an actual calling on them, and he speaks to him, and he he explains very clearly what it is that's going to take place, and Moses' response is, uh... <laughs> well, first first Moses says, you know, I, who am I, right? Like, who am I to be the one to bring this all about? And God says, I'll be with you. And then you know Moses says, well, what am I supposed to tell the people? And then God reveals His covenant name. He says, you know. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Tell them I am sent you. So it's really this kind of this cool thing where Moses is saying, you know, who am I? And then God is saying, I am, right? And I mean, this this all, thing goes on and on, right? And Moses complaining, oh, they won't listen to me. And then God gives him the, you know, the 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 staff turning into a snake party trick, which would have been great. Uh, you know, Moses not speaking well. God's saying he's going to give him the words. But ultimately, it just comes down to the fact that, like, Moses just doesn't want to go. No, he doesn't want to go. Yeah. He doesn't want to go. And now that you've dropped that, who am I? I've got casting crowns in my head, and who it's going. Am I? It's going to last. <laughs> it's going to last the day. I can already tell. Yeah. So, so he goes in, and, and God says, "Hey, I've got this commission for you. You have been chosen. You've been set apart. This is the job that we're gonna that I have for you." And Moses is like, "No, no, 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 no. Not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Right? First, first he tries to talk God out of it, and yep. he finds out, you know, God has actually thought about this." Right. And yeah. then and then after he finds out God has actually thought about this, he's like, well, you know what? I still don't want to go. Yeah. And, and this is this is an interesting thing. We, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, but when it when it comes to people, one of the number one things that people love to talk to their pastor about is uh, what is it? What is it that God wants me to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And and I and it is often followed with if, if God would just be more specific. Why won't God be more specific? If he would just tell me exactly what he wants me to do, I'd be there. I'd do it, no questions asked, because I got faith like that. Yeah. And then you look at, at champions of the faith, you know, like Moses, mm. Jonah, yeah, people who were told, this is exactly what I want you to go do, and they said, no. no. Right? Uh, I, I think we have to be careful assuming that we are that much greater than they. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we should, maybe those people who do come to you asking for their calling, maybe you should just give it to them and just say, uh, working in the nursery, that's your calling. That's the... <laughs> it, <laughs> and they would say, send someone else, Lord, don't send me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. All right. So anyways, so he does end up going. He ends up returning to uh, to Egypt. And uh, and essentially, you know, Moses and Aaron end up standing before Pharaoh and it just kind of ticks them off and uh, upsets them. And then they kind of make the burden heavier on the people. And what's kind of interesting is the very first setback, Moses says, oh, Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you even send me? Like, it's just Moses is so quick to just try and give up. Like the, the very first kind of bend in the road, the very mm-hmm. first kind of like 
hurdle to overcome. He's just ready to just give up. Yeah, and maybe this goes back to the God of process, right? Yeah. Because uh, because what Moses Moses seems to not be interested in going, but once he finally does go, he seems to want it to go smoothly. Yeah. And instantly. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you said, he's got his three party tricks that he's going to do in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to know what was going on in his head after he performed them and had his confidence built by them, only to see Pharaoh's men do the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I I would think at that point he would be like, Well, um, that had a purpose. And I don't know, God, if the purpose is going to find its it, it's it's full it's you know it, it's full form. I, I don't know if if we're going to still have Pharaoh looking at the things that I'm doing and say that's terrifying. Surely God is with them. If you're giving other people the power to do these things or right. or allowing them to do them as well, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's a very interesting kind of scenario to to sit and watch this thing that was a s- bit of a security blanket. Mm-hmm. Those tricks. I uh, just ripped from him. Sure, sure. But thankfully, I mean, as the story progresses, right, that things move beyond that, right? The the, the Pharaoh's magicians um, can only copy what Moses is doing up to a certain point. And as the plagues progress, suddenly they come to the point where they're like, oh, no, 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 this is this is something else. This is God. Right. And they tell him. Yeah, they don't they don't just say we can't do this. They say, oh, no, that is the finger of God. Mm-hmm. That is what that is, and you should listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But Pharaoh doesn't listen. No, he does not. Because God hardens his heart. Yeah, what does that mean, Tim? Yeah, so this <laughs> is this is something that, that people make too much of. I uh, <clears throat> on a On a lot of different levels, mm-hmm. there's too much made of this. Uh, and, and so, so what happens with this is, is there are a number of people who will look at this and they will say, this is absolutely unfair of God. It's unfair of God to harden someone's heart, ask something of them and, uh, knowing that they're not going to be able to respond. And, and, and it's also misused by lazy Calvinists who Mm -hmm. will just look at it and say, oh, well, there's, uh, someone, you know, that is not able to respond because God has intervened. And so, of course, Calvinism, not just in its uh, unconditional election kind of way is true, but Calvinism in its meticulous determinationism, mm. right? That there is a fate and everything that we say and do is listed inside of this fate and, mm. and that God is a fatalistic kind of a God. All of these things are not proven. Yeah. It's not, a, this. it's not a mic drop moment for hyper-Calvinists. It's not. It's right. Not a... it, it's not at all. And and the reason is because, well, I, I guess the way to examine this is to first stop and look at who the person of Pharaoh is. We are not talking about a man who, you know, was, was loving to the people around him. No. Who was saying to the people around him, you know, how can I better serve you? Mm-hmm. As your Pharaoh, how can I come alongside and help meet your needs? Mm-hmm. No, this is a man who has come in and he has said, I'm afraid of these people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to start killing their babies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill their babies. I'm going to require the midwives to take the babies from the birthing stool directly to the river. And we're going to feed them to crocodiles. Mm-hmm. And then I am going to increase their labor and take away the product that they have to actually produce their labors by, Mm -hmm. and we are going to beat them, and we are going to pound them. Pharaoh is not a man who otherwise would have been subject to the will of God, but God changed his heart in such a way to condemn an innocent man. No, no, no. That is not what is happening 
when God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference here because it, like even the word like harden his heart, not make his heart hard, but kind of more the idea of like cementing him where he already is. Right. So the the word that's used there is chazak, right? And and it's used often in in scripture time and time again and and the the various ways that this gets translated through scripture are to say strong strengthened hardened encouraged or held Mm. right and so when god says that he is going to harden pharaoh's heart what he is saying is pharaoh's heart is against the will of god and god is going to hold it in that place right he is not going to allow him the space to repent and he is not going to give him opportunity to do otherwise. He is going to fix his heart where it is. Mm. Think of it like the, the, the settling of concrete, right? Sure. It is in its place, and then it is hardened, right. right? And so his heart is already in its place, and now his heart is being fixed by God. And mm. even this, some, sometimes people argue that even this is, is unfair. But we all know that, that we have opportunity to hear from the person of God, and there will come a point in every person's life when they will have no other opportunities. Normally, we look at that as the deathbed. Right. If the person would continue to live after their opportunities have run out, it is no less fair of God mm. that they would continue to breathe even though their opportunities are up. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me, and so I, I don't think this is unfair of God. I think what God is doing is He is saying, um, "This is where Pharaoh's heart is. I am going to fix it in place mm-hmm. because this is how I am going to glorify myself by re- by relieving my people from His hand." Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting too, just kind of re- related to that, and we don't have to belabor this too long, but the. The interesting thing with Pharaoh is when there's a bit of a respite from whatever plague there is. So once, you know, Moses prays and whatever affliction is lifted temporarily, you know, Mo or sorry, Pharaoh then hardens his heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not it's not always God hardening right. Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes Pharaoh hardens his own heart. But essentially he changes his mind. And it, it's, it's interesting because so many times, you know, people who are living in open rebellion to God would say, well, if God would just do this, if he would just remove this problem, if he would just make this uh, situation go away, then I would change my ways. But I mean, I think a lot of those people are just like Pharaoh. And as soon as the pressure is lifted, then they go back into their their state of open rebellion against God. So I think it's like we have to be aware of like the tendency in the human heart, you know, to... um, to be open to uh, being softened when we think things are going to work out the way we want them to. But once they do, we just we remain where we've always been. We remain hardened. Right. We This is not an economy where we barter with God. No. We don't barter with God with, for faith. And what generally happens, like you said, is people come to the other side of that and they think, oh, that was close. <laughs> that was close. Yeah. All right. So uh, we have the hardening of the heart. We have mm-hmm. the then the presentation of the plagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is absolutely fascinating. Every time I, I go back and I read the plagues, um, and, and you see the way that these things are taking place, yeah. uh, the degree to which these things take place, how they can at times affect the Egyptians and not the Hebrews, yeah. um, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, profound, 
suffering. And, uh, you know, and people have kind of looked at, at this different ways. Is this is this kind of some symbolic war against the Egyptian pantheon where God is kind of asserting himself? Uh, there's, there's lots of different kind of ideas of what exactly it is, but there's there's just kind of trying to read it with fresh eyes, just trying to imagine being in this land during this season, um, just kind of the the heaviness that would exist there, there's a phrase when it's talking about the plague of darkness which lasts for three days and right. nobody's moving right it says that it was a darkness to be felt is how the esv puts it and that's just feeling darkness i don't know it yeah. just it gave me the shivers just reading yeah. it so yeah and and not only not only the weight and the the mystery with which uh, these people are being confronted by god but also the mystery with which the hebrews are being delivered sure yeah, that yeah. they're able to be spared from some of these things. You think, how do you how do you stop this from spreading from one group to the other? Surely mm-hmm. it would just overlap, but it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the most the, the, the most interesting kind of distinction of, of all of those instances, obviously, is is the, the Passover itself. Right. Right. I mean, we're talking about a universal tragedy for Egypt. I mean, from from the most insignificant household up to Pharaoh's palace right it's this is this is serious and, and it is the plague that is foreshadowed from the beginning yeah right this yeah, is this is what's happen. going to happen yeah uh but there's going to be a process mm-hmm. and and after the process this is how it's going to culminate yeah, yeah. so they they have the the passover they flee they mm-hmm. get to uh they get to the red sea mm-hmm. and uh the faithlessness rears its ugly head once again right so I'll, I'll go ahead and do it now. One of the one of the things that that gets me, uh, when when you think about Moses leading these people, I'm sure he he felt like it was going to be some sort of you know political militaristic kind of a leadership. Really, it's a lot like parenting toddlers, mm. right? That's what's going to be the theme that runs through all of this. Now, now understand when I say that Israel is acting like a bunch of toddlers, and they will continue to do this throughout all of their time. I'm saying that because I see inside of me their tendencies. Right. Right. And, and I see my own desire to, to gripe and complain. And so I'm not just making fun of them saying, uh, can you believe those guys? And I'm glad I never do that. Uh, the sort of like the, uh, the Pharisee praying next to the tax collector kind of a thing. That's not what's going on. But being able to look at it and be able to say, wow, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. So God has delivered them from these plagues in these amazing ways that they have been set apart and they've been separate. And they find themselves now at the Red Sea. And in chapter 14, verse 11, it says, They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Hmm. Now, not only does this show faithlessness, but it shows sarcasm. Right. Right? They're going to, they're going to get in his face about this. Right. Is this why you've brought us out here? Because there are no graves in in Egypt. And so you've brought us out here to die. What have you done to bring us out of Egypt? Hmm. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, when I back up in the story, yeah, I don't remember this conversation. Yeah, I don't remember Moses saying you have to come with me. Right. You have no choice but to come with me into this deliverance. And them saying, you know what, though? We've kind of got it cushy here. 
Things are things are good, right? I mean, sure, they're beating us and they're killing us, but uh, you know what? It's not so bad. It's not so bad. And out there in the wilderness, it's tough. It's tough. No, this is this is not at all what happened. God delivers them. They take opportunity to follow in that deliverance, and they get out there and they're like, "I knew this. I knew it from the beginning. I, in fact, I told you. I told you it was going to be this way." Hmm. And Moses says to the people. This is faith. This is faith in the definitive hand of God. Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And all you have to do is be silent. (laughs) Best line. Yeah. Best line of the week. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That is that is Moses being the first person to ever say, "You've got one job." Yep, zip it. You've got one job, <laughs> and that job is to just stop talking. Yeah, yeah, and watch what God's gonna do. Exactly. And you th- and actually, now that I think about this, you think of all the trouble that Israel is gonna go through, you know, in the following chapters and following books, and if they had maybe uh, taken this direction a little bit more seriously of, of remaining silent, probably could have avoided a lot of trouble. Probably. Too. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I mean, that, and I, as I reflect on my own life and in my own relationships, <laughs> I think if I uh, had maybe taken this advice of being silent, um, probably could have avoided some heartache too. You know, you know what it reminds me of all of a sudden? It reminds me of Job saying, I put my hand over my lips. I yep. spoke once, but I have no answer twice. Yeah. Right. And uh, and God here is just telling them, no, yeah. just stop talking. Mm. You've got one job to do, and that is to be quiet and watch what I'm going to do. Yeah. Right. And then and then God gets a little snarky with Moses and says, why are you crying to me? Didn't I tell you to go this way? Just keep going. Right. <laughs> that there's water in the way it doesn't matter. Yeah. Move forward. Yeah. And stretch out your hand. Mm hmm. And, uh, and, you know, we were talking about this with Alex, and, and he was saying, you know, is there an opportunity that if they had just kept going mm-hmm. and not stopped because there was water, would it have parted? Maybe. It seems to be that God understands this, is, uh, this was the plan from the beginning. Uh, God doesn't seem to have any, any sort of grace or space for them to stop and say, yeah, but water— um, and so maybe this this was the expectation all along that they would just keep going, and once they stepped out into the water, it would split. But nevertheless, it splits, mm-hmm. and they cross on dry ground. Yeah. And those Egyptians that they saw there today, never they saw them again. Never saw them again. Never again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then after that, after successfully crossing the sea, um, we read Moses' song, um, which is really actually really great. I was kind of reading through it again this morning. Um, yeah, just just actually a wonderful kind of worship song, um, and then then we get to the situation where okay now Israel is in the wilderness, uh, but there's a couple things they need that the wilderness is not uh, have a lot of. And those are food and and water. Yeah, but and they get timbits. They get tim- timbits from heaven. Timbits <laughs> from heaven. <laughs> Honey glazed. <laughs> and, and and just to sort of jump on the what it's like to that this is almost like him parenting toddlers kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. Food miraculously supplied to them. Yep. You got one job, gather enough for today, mm-hmm. and nothing more. Yeah. What do they do? 
they break the rule immediately. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. It's like classic. Classic Israel. And it's just, it's just covered in worms and rotting <laughs> and whatever. Oh, whatever. man. Yeah. One of the things that's going to come up, and, and it often does, is people say the God of the Old Testament is, is an impatient God and a violent mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and a judgmental God, uh, which doesn't compute with the God of the New Testament, who is, is patient and kind and loving. Uh, I think as we read through these passages, this, through the story of Israel, you will find that that is absolutely not the case. Uh, God is unreasonably, from my own personal opinion, unreasonably patient. Oh, yeah. Throughout all of the Exodus. Yeah. I mean, it, to be honest with you, these two incidents right here might have been enough for Tim to call the experiment off. Right. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And just been like, you guys are just never going to listen to anything that I have to say. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is this is obviously not going to work. Yeah. The God of the Old Testament is just as gracious as the God of the New just as gracious, yeah. just as patient. The biggest difference is we have not yet seen judgment for disobedience as is promised in the New Testament. Right. And we have seen the judgment for disobedience in the Old Testament. Good point. Yeah, you're right. And so whenever people say, well, that God was violent and, and condemning, I just say, hold your breath. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. It, it, it will happen again, right? Yeah. That's what all of Revelation is about, but that's months away. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we got some time. We got hold some on, time hold on. The reading, the reading of it is months away. Yeah. That, was not a, <laughs> that was not a prediction of the end of the world. A, a predi- Tim's a oh, prediction of the apocalypse. I can guarantee our listeners that they will not get those types of predictions in this podcast. <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. All right. Any, When's the next blood moon? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> any highlights you want to uh, point out? Well, we already kind of discussed them. I mean, I'm, I'm a big, I just really love um, God's discussion with Moses at the burning bush. One of the things that um, we didn't mention the first time too, is just kind of how Moses is kind of using his own uh, failures or his own weaknesses as an excuse to reject God's calling. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't necessarily stroke Moses' ego. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't say, well, actually, Moses, you're so special and you're so wonderful. You're so great. I made you just for this purpose, whatever. God just says, no, I'm enough. I've got a plan. I've thought this through. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you what you need. These are the things you're going to say. And that's enough, right? He doesn't say, oh, Moses, don't be so hard on yourself. He says, well, I mean, he doesn't say this explicitly, but we know that God specifically chooses to work through people who don't seem up to the task. And that's that's a pattern that we see throughout Scripture. And so God wants to glorify himself in those situations because then we can say, who did this? Only God did this. This isn't me. This is him working through me. Right. Like you said, when, when Moses asked the question, who am I? God doesn't answer that. Yeah. He just says, no, it's about, it's me. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and I think for me, I know I, I pointed it out as a funny thing. For Moses to tell the people, God is going to deliver you. Mm. Your job is to shut up mm-hmm. and just let it be. Uh, but also as a personal application, learning how to do that, learning how to trust his process, mm-hmm. learning how to trust his wisdom, and just be be a recipient of the grace and mercy that he is offering to me and stop battling with him on it. Yeah. Stop pushing back. Yeah. 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 Amen. All right. 
Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Have a good week. Take care, everybody.